Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're momming today with Bethany Mandel, the author of Stolen Youth, new book that came out, good read, contributing writer to Deseret News, and she she's also the editor of children's books, Heroes of Liberty. Bethany, oh wait, you're a mom of six, and you homeschool your children. Yeah. I, I'm not sure yeah. if I forgot any of your titles. <laughs> mom of six really- is the biggest one to me. I'm sorry. That's like, that, one is, you just put a, a book out, and you have a two-month-old. Yeah, I do. So it was it was poor timing. It was not. Um, I try I try to always like make this joke as sensitively as I can because my two month old will one day grow up and be a human being who might listen to these videos and these podcasts. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he was the best surprise. Oh, so there won't be a number seven, I assume. Unless there was a number seven, in which case that person was also the best surprise. I'm, I have to think about what this will sound like in 15 years when, you know, my child is mad at me. But the, the plan is. Seven is a lot. <laughs> well, we plan number. and God laughs. All right. So Stolen Youth um, talks about what has happened in the past couple of years to children, to their education system, to their mental well-being. How did you how did you become involved in in this mission, I, I, I guess? Have you always yeah, homeschooled yeah. your children or did you notice things in the school that they might have been in and you said, hell no, I'm doing it myself? <laughs> so I initially, so my oldest daughter is in third grade and so she was in kindergarten and she's always been homeschooled. We've always homeschooled. But the reason I got into homeschooling was not because of sort of what was going on in the schools. It was more, I, I wanted to have a lot of children. I wanted to have, you know, five, six kids. And um, and we planned on sending them to private school because we just weren't happy with a lot of things that were happening in the public school where we were living. And so we kind of just looked at the fact that, you know, we're both journalists and realized we can't send five or six children to private school. So we have a choice in front of us. Do we want to have the number of children we want? Uh, or do we, um, Aww, so or do we try to figure something else out? And so it was sort of born of necessity. Um, and now I'm just so grateful that that happened and that we decided to, um, we decided to homeschool because it's been such a blessing. Um, and because, you know, as, as the years have gone on since our oldest daughter, she's, um, she's nine and a half since she was born, things have just gotten crazier and it sort of just solidifies, solidifies for me. Like we, we made the right decision and we are making the right decision and seeing how my kids are and seeing how they're thriving and seeing how we sort of operate as a family because they're homeschooled. Um, I'm, I'm very happy with the decisions that we've made thus far. Look, it, it's not easy to do at all to homeschool your children. And I, I give credit to any parent who can do this. I know parents were forced to do it during COVID, but some have always done it and they do it well. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I would argue that 
what people did over COVID was not homeschooling. Um, they were forced into being Zoom butlers and um, and sort of helping children work through a curriculum that was not of their choosing um, and that wasn't made for the situation that they were in. I don't think that, that children learn best on screens for eight hours a day. And I, I wrote this in The Atlantic in April of 2020, but I said, we should step back from what we're doing. Digital learning, distance learning is not working and we need to figure out a way to optimize this for people who are in a lot of different life situations and we should have sort of created individual learning plans for children based on their individual needs. Um, some some kids had a parent at home who was you know, unemployed and that parent was a chef in a restaurant. They should have you know, leaned into learning how to cook that year. And there, there was a lot of personalized learning that I feel like we missed out on. But I, I would sort of argue that what happened over COVID for any parent who had that experience, but still kind of is on the fence about homeschooling. I just I want to make clear to those people who are listening that what you did was not homeschooling and um, homeschooling can be literally anything you want it to be um, and just sort of give people encouragement that, um, you know, every every parenting decision is hard. It's just hard in different ways. Um, but uh, but homeschooling over COVID was not actually you like that article, what it can be. Uh, Bethany, uh, you know, two, th- three years ago now, what was the reaction? It, w- it was one of the top trending stories on The Atlantic for a while. I, it really resonated with people. Um, so? but I it would didn't... imagine you'd be hated for, for actually saying that out loud at the time. I mean, I was hated for other things over the course of the pandemic. Uh, I, tr- I trended in April or in May of 2020. Um, my name trended with the words grandma killer because I said, this is crazy. What we're doing, there is no end point. There is no goal in mind. We're just sort of existing in perpetuity in this locked down state. And this has real detrimental effects for any number of things in our society, um, museums, zoos, teachers, kids. Um, and, and I was very outspoken about that over COVID and I got canceled a lot for it. Um, and I definitely got a target on my back because of it, but I'm, I'm not sorry because I was right and I was proven right. And I'm, I'm sad to have been proven right because, um, you know, we're seeing the mental health, we're seeing the test scores, um, and we're seeing, you know, the number of bankruptcies of small businesses, like you name it. Um, my local zoo, one of the things I was really canceled over about that tweet thread with the grandma killer thing, because I said, you can call me a grandma killer, but this is crazy. Um, one of the examples I gave was was the zoo, and it happened that my local zoo, uh, they, their nonprofit arm had to fold because they need money, they need income and they didn't get it for two plus years. And all of the wonderful educational and conservation programming that they were doing now has stopped because their their nonprofit arm folded. Last I checked, a zoo is outdoors, correct? Yes, it is. Thank you yeah. for acknowledging that. So homeschool. Very common sense. Also, God, just making yeah. sure. Just making sure. Yeah. Um, you're in Thank Maryland. You. <laughs> and, you know, yes. it's, it's you're Damn. speaking as if you live in Florida where there is somewhat of a different mentality, but not where you live. Yeah. So what is it like? Yes, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I will say um, COVID, I'm, I'm always like trying to find silver linings for things because that's how you kind of exist through hard moments. And COVID was definitely a hard moment. Um, I will say that I 
uh, I had a number of people in my local community who decided to start homeschooling um, because they were sort of pushed into it by COVID and they're still homeschooling. And uh, it's been a real blessing for us to expand our our homeschooling circle. Um, And everyone, we, we, found a group of friends who were willing to let our children have normal experiences and play together even in spring of 2020 and it's a core wonderful group of friends um, that i don't think i would have found uh, and really solidified those friendships had covid not happened um, because i had met them and i was like yeah they're nice but you know they were one of dozens of people that i had met but um when covid happened and we all were kind of feeling each other out like are you willing to like have the kids play together? And the people who were willing to do so became our closest friends. And I'm, I'm really thankful that we, um, that we've formed the communities that we've formed. Yeah. I remember those days you form like this little pod, but I have a, I have a question for you. Was any family yeah. willing to have the eight of you at their house? I mean, that's a lot. Of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so at that time, at that time it was only seven of us. Only. Oh, true. Okay. Um, but, um, but I mean, I was also, you know, there were periods of COVID where I was a little bit more careful. Like I was pregnant with our fifth um, in November of 2020. And I was more careful around those times. So we only had outdoor play dates. But I I, I made clear to, I, I, I made clear to myself and my children that they were the top priority and that we would, um, we would do everything in our power to maintain as much normalcy as possible. And so uh, my kids still went to uh, the little gym. They still had play dates um, outside. And I just, I personally tried to be a little bit more careful just because I was pregnant. But, um, but yeah, I mean, people were just willing basically to live their lives. The only sort of um, hiccup was that a lot of our friends are military and mm-hmm. they were bound by um, Department of Defense sort of rules about what they were allowed to do and they had to be careful. So, Yeah, I, I was pregnant during COVID too. I had a COVID baby. Um, yeah, I had two. <laughs> two. I, I just, I remember there was somewhat of, you were, you were, I was scared at times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially in the yeah. beginning. Yeah. I, I had a friend. Um, so my, my fifth was born in, um, I guess summer of 21, right before Delta. And he, um, he had his bris, um, you know, mid July and we had a totally normal bris, which I was so thankful for. Uh, you know, we went to synagogue, everyone was unmasked, the pic- everything was totally normal. And one of my girlfriends said, you know, I'm, I'm like, wasn't feeling great that morning. I'm not going to come. And I didn't really think anything of it. And then she was on a ventilator five days later and she was mm-hmm. 20 weeks pregnant. Um, and so that was scary. Like, you know, being of the belief that things need to be as normal as possible for the sake of our society and our children and all of our mental health doesn't detract from the fact that, I mean, it's not, it's not a fake thing. <laughs> and I had a girlfriend almost die. She was on a ventilator for 20 days. Yeah. Um, Bethany, I, I do want to ask what it's like in the average day when you're raising six children and we'll do it when we're momming today continues right after this. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
We're back on. We're momming today with Bethany Mandel. Um, Bethany, what what's your what times you wake up? How does this work? How do you raise six children? I can't honestly so, have three, and I'm I'm overwhelmed. Well, have more first of all. I'm I'm a pronatalist. Um, so I one of the the things I love about homeschooling and the life that we live is that. Um, the day starts whenever we want it to start and we're not on anyone else's schedule. Um, I'm an only child. And so I'm like, you're not the boss of me. No one can tell me what to do. And so I, that's a part of my personality that uh, really likes that we can sort of wake up when we want to wake up. And so our older kids are pretty self-sufficient. Um, and so my younger children, thankfully, are late sleepers. I'm like, knock on wood. Um, and so we like, you know, get the day started around 8.30, 9 o'clock, and I serve several breakfasts over the course of the morning. And uh, my older three kids um, are doing school, so third grade, second grade, and kindergarten. Um, and my kindergartner and my three-year-old also do a very part-time preschool program a couple days a week, um, and it starts at 10 a.m., so it's like on our schedule. It's run by a fellow homeschool mom. And she just takes them for a few hours and does um, more age-appropriate sort of activities with them, which is great because I'm sort of focused on school with the older kids. Um, and so uh, my older kids um, have a to-do list of individual tasks that are self-directed. And um, there are, you know, prizes at the end of each day for getting through your stuff, whether it's a play date or half an hour on the switch. Like, I'm not going to pretend like I don't use that as as an incentive. Um, and so, you know, I say, like, we can't have a play date with so-and-so if you don't get your work done. And um, you, you can have a half an hour of screens when we're all done. And um, everyone is pretty self-motivated to, to get things done. And then uh, I sit down individually with all three of my older kids and we do a math lesson. Um, over the course of the morning, like, I'll sort of grab a kid and say, okay, I have 15 minutes. Let's sit down and do math real quick. Um, and I also do a reading level with my kind or I do a reading uh, lesson with my kindergartner as well. And, and we sort of just, each kid has their own to-do list and the stuff that they need me for, we just sort of grab each other when there are free moments, whether there's naps involved or whatever, and, and bang out our personal to-do list. And then I have, you know, work stuff going on in the middle of that. But a lot of what I do is stuff that I can write um, after bedtime or on weekends and during quiet time because everyone likes to have sort of quiet reading time or um, quiet sort of rest time. And that's often when I get work done as well. This sounds very scheduled, I, I guess. I, I'm just... Yeah, it's very have, laid back. How do you have time for yourself or for you and your husband or for you and your girlfriends? And then what do you say when so you I don't. complain that you don't spend enough time with them? Because I always, you know, someone's always complaining that... Oh. You didn't pick me up from here, but everyone else's mom and dad picked them up. You know, I blamed for everything. Yeah, I mean, I still get blamed for every. I mean, you're you're darned if you do, and you're darned if you don't. With a lot of you know kids, but my kids don't really complain about. I mean, the the opposite. I think they complain about. They complain that I I am all up in their business too much because we spend all day together. Okay, that's true. And Fair. so. That's that's their complaint. Um, but I always joke that, you know, one of the questions I get asked is, well, how do you have enough attention for everyone? Yes. And the answer is I don't. I don't have enough attention. And one, one of my best girlfriends also has six kids, but she had six kids long before I had six kids. And it always kind of made me sad when she said, you're like, yeah, we have quality time when someone has to go to the emergency room. And I'm like, I don't want to have like, I don't like that. But now that I'm in it and I have six myself, um, I realize that. They're my my sixth, my youngest, my two month old 
is being talked to and played with so much more than my oldest was <laughs> because there's only so much you can do of that as one person but he has seven other people in this house who love him and love playing with him and love talking to him so while he gets less of me than than my oldest couple kids did he gets so much more from everyone else and he's just surrounded by like a lot of noise but also a lot of love do you find that you maybe with your first two you wanted overachievers you were like the overachieving mom and then it's like, well, yeah, don't be an early walker. No, 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 no. Don't walk yet. We're not transitioning you to your bed. You're going to stay in your crib until you literally fall out of it or grow out of it. Like, do you find your expectations have come down? Yes. So my my first and my second are only 17 months apart. So I, I was pretty quickly already pregnant when my first was a baby. And, um, and then when my second was born, he was extraordinarily humbling. And so I realized that my oldest being the way she is was not a product of my incredible parenting skills it was just a luck of the draw she was an easy baby and has always been very easygoing and wonderful my second was hard he was a really hard baby and um there were medical things that were going on that it took us a while to realize and so his like colic wasn't really colic he was just in pain and it it was it was not a fun year with him when he was a baby his first year um so it was definitely really humbling um and then after that it was just kind of after he was born uh, my second um we got pregnant accidentally and um, unfortunately lost the baby pretty early on in the pregnancy and i realized like oh i was i was actually really excited and i really wanted that and i didn't realize i wanted that and so we got pregnant again intentionally um who with the kid who turned out to be our third. Um, and then we just kept on liking our kids a lot and liking our life and wanted to keep on having them. <laughs> it's so sweet to hear you say it, honestly. Um, so Stolen Youth is your, is it your, your first book? Yeah, okay. yeah. And I remember I met you when you were in New York uh, doing the whole, you know, the whole rounds, the media tour for mm-hmm. it. And you were telling me this crazy story. Um, you were at your book party. And there were protesters that showed up. What was so controversial in this book? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not an uncontroversial thing. And so, um, you know, it's funny. I had my two-month-old there as well because he's nursing and doesn't take a bottle. So he is with me everywhere I go all the time, Um, which is, like, you know, great when you're launching a book. Very professional. Um, But a friend was actually holding him at that moment. So thankfully he didn't get nailed. Uh, But Steve Forbes was collateral damage. Oh, oh, Um, Steve got hurt? Yeah, I feel bad. Um, He got got soaked with some disgusting person's drink. Oh um, but he goodness. took it in stride and was really nice about it. Oh. Well, Steve has um, seven kids, I believe, right? He has five girls. Five, five girls. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're lovely, and that's I'm I am in awe of the Forbes family, and I'm in awe of the Forbes girls. Um, they are like the nicest, most down to earth, amazing family you will ever meet in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so yeah, so I mean, they don't really know what they're protesting is really what it comes down to because obviously they hadn't read the book um it is it is an invective against uh the indoctrination that is being targeted towards our children and there's a lot of people who are in denial that that's happening and that there is this woke virus sort of permeating our society and 
the answer is actually that we're all just racist transphobes and there is no indoctrination there is no there's no one coming for our children's innocence and parents um are not and i think this is a byproduct of covid we're not really willing to be gaslit anymore about it like we see it happening in front of us and it feels a lot like a death by a thousand cuts and so um you know the commercial on nickelodeon um that there's a a commercial on Nickelodeon about sort of Pride Month. And uh, there was a commercial for uh, Blue's Clues that featured a beaver with top surgery, sort of, you know, a mastectomy, basically. Um, Constant sort of your kid picks up a book in the library and you're like, oh, my God, what is this? Like what my oldest daughter picked up a a graphic novel in the library about... um, and there was a scene in it about two girls having a sexual encounter at a sleepover. Um, and so, you know, in our, in me and my co-authors lives, Carol Markowitz, um, we just had like a thousand of these moments. One of her kids um, was marched in the climate march at his school in Brooklyn, New York. And um, it just felt like there were a lot of these little things that were building and building and building and it felt like part of a larger uh puzzle piece and it was all and the end of the puzzle piece was sort of bringing our children not their children not the collective's children but our children into this sort of woke reimagining of our society and um and we wanted to give parents the information that you know this is much more insidious and widespread than you might know and also it's sort of the tools to say like this is how you this is how you handle it now that now that you know this is how you handle it how do you handle it so carol and i wrote two different conclusions based on our own sort of beliefs and our own experiences and so carol's of the mind that you know she has three children and two of whom are in public school one of whom is in private and her kids have cell phones, they watch modern television, and she is a big believer in having very open conversations with her children who are able to recognize uh, propaganda when they see it. And I think that that's valuable, but for me, my kids are also younger than hers. Um, I didn't want to foist too much on them. Um, and I think that there's, it, it's it's, there's a gray area where you talk honestly with your children, but you don't put too much on them. Um, and I think that we're both trying to walk that line as carefully as we can in our own homes. That, that, see, I'm more um, in your boat here because of the age of my children, that sometimes yeah. things come up and I I don't I don't even want to touch the topic because yep. I'm not aware if you even know what's yeah. happening. Yeah. And what we do is like my kid's favorite actor is Robin Williams, who died mm, 10 years ago. Um but they, those are the movies they watch. Mrs. Doubtfire, Jumanji, Flubber was a big hit in our house recently. Um, and we're going through the canon of Robin Williams. Um, and the, the books that they're reading, my daughter is working her way through Nancy Drew um, and uh, Roald Dahl. And uh, one of the family read-alods we're doing is The Penderwicks. Um, so they're all very wholesome many of them older books um, because I know that all of these ideas are very new and this effort to indoctrinate children is is new and different um, and that we're safe when it comes to Nancy Drew. Mm. But how do you make your, your children 
and, and yourself safe for the world that is changing and where there's new terms and there's new ways to address people. Yeah. And we all want to be kind, considerate, and compassionate in the end. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the benefits of homeschooling is that we surround ourselves with the people that we want to surround ourselves with. And we're not foisted into positions um, as a family where um, they have met someone who is not going by their, you know, the pronoun of their birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- I mean, but that's, that's a conversation that Carol talks about in her book. She, her daughter did have a transgender a friend and um and how did she navigate that and that's a really hard thing to navigate because you don't want to be hurtful but you also don't want to be foisted into a position where you're saying things that do not match your belief system and one of the more powerful conversations that i had with a mother when i was interviewing people for stolen youth was um she was an indian immigrant uh from india and um and her two adult children are are basically estranged from her and she said if i could if i could go back in time and i could tell myself one thing it would be to have affirming conversations with my children about what we believe um, it wasn't enough to say we don't believe this we don't believe that because i had to instill them with my values we didn't go to church and um and we didn't have conversations as a family about what we believed um and i had another powerful conversation with a young woman who went to college uh self-described woke pink hair bisexual and she graduated college um self-described trad cath traditional catholic who wants to have babies and homeschool her babies and trad. you know be trad be traditional and um and i said um what would you tell parents how if they if they want their kids to turn into you at the present moment what would you tell them and she said um the biggest mistake that her parents made was giving her unfettered access to the internet via a smartphone Mm. and um and that was a colossally uh bad idea and that parents should keep their kids off of phones and off of social media at all costs for as long as possible. One situation recently happened with my four-year-old. He, he went to, he started a, a new school and he was telling me about his friends and he kept talking about this one boy, knew everything about this one boy. Finally get a picture of the class and um, I'm white, my son is white and his new best friend from school is black. I knew everything about this boy. My son never said his friend was black. Yeah, he and didn't he, didn't, he didn't he didn't say, say that his friend was back. So yeah, neither I, let it go, I didn't say anything, but a lot of yeah. people would say that is the moment where you should maybe introduce <laughs> race to your children. I just I don't think I so. I mean, it was beautiful and innocent. He didn't see it. Yeah, and I I think that that's the right move. Um, one of the I think bad side effects of being too racially conscious. So we we're into reading biographies in our family. We love the um, the I Am series by Brad Meltzer. And we got into Rosa Parks and MLK and Jackie Robinson. And um, and it put race on a, on my kids radar. Um, but then it made them hyper conscious of race in a way that I don't think that was healthy um, because they didn't see anyone for their race and so she kind of I mean as kids do then she sort of said awkward things um to her friends and to the friends moms like I still love you even though you're black I don't I don't want any people to be mean to you because you're black and I'm like oh we're in an MLK phase I'm really sorry (laughs) and 
it was, you know, it's uncomfortable because it's sort of, it's not the elephant in the room, but then it became like the elephant that was just like there all of a sudden that appeared out of nowhere. And so it's, it's hard to have those conversations with kids, but I'm of the mind that like put it off as long as possible and let them maintain that innocence for as long as possible. They'll learn one day. um, And this is sort of a fundamental disagreement between the right and the left. Like we don't want to deny that slavery existed, but also when we went to the African-American Museum in D.C., because my daughter was super into Rosa Parks and Jackie Robinson and MLK, we didn't bring them through the slavery exhibit because it was too graphic and it was too much too young. And the sort of the idea is from the left is to put all of this stuff on kids to make them into um, aware. That's I mean, that's woke. Make them into aware people. But they're not small adults. They are children who deserve an innocent childhood um, because their brains are still developing and they can't process all of this stuff yet. And we shouldn't expect them to. Age appropriate. Absolutely. Listen ad free with a Fox News podcast plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen ad free on the Amazon Music app or just hit the follow button on your favorite podcast player. Bethany, we thank you for the time. Yeah, thank you. Oh, what's his name? Bernie. Bernie. Aww. <laughs> so cute. Which is very funny. Enjoy the rest of your day. And um, thank you. Bernie can listen to this one day. One day. Hopefully, he's not mad at me. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Listen ad free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad free on the Amazon Music app. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.